we know it's Father's Day. I will share with you that uh, uh, where we are as a culture, as a society, uh, Father's Day has become this time in which it's just a mixed bag of emotions, isn't it? A lot of people not here today because they're with dad somewhere. For those of us that uh, have had to say goodbye to dad, that brings memories. Some people won't come to church because of that on this particular day. And the list just goes on. When we talk about fathers, I, I think there's quite the message you'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 as we are turning there. We realize that um, there's a lot of people included in this category now, not just to be politically correct, and we'll see in Scripture. It's one thing to be a biological father. It's another thing to be the father of somebody's heart. Just because you're a biological dad doesn't mean you've been involved in the life. We all know that. There are those adopted fathers, sometimes by law, and in other times just by relationship, and everybody just accepts it that way. Today, we know more than ever what it is to have single parents that have the responsibility of of fulfilling every role in that home. When it comes to fathers or the recognition of somebody having a role in life that's that big, we also know there's good examples and bad examples. Leanne just gave great uh, praise to Lynn, and rightly so. There's others, after these many years of preaching, that I've had come to me and just give different sentiments. I just like to keep it real. And some would say, I, I, I don't know. I can remember years ago, about the, one of the first Father's Day messages I preached, and a young man came up and said, well, you see, I never knew my dad. And uh, so when you get talking about a heavenly father, I just had, no, I had a hard time relating to anything good related to father because I, I didn't have an example. And so I want to give that as a title today. Examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you stand with me, Simon says? Chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. Paul's writing to these believers in a city called Corinth. He said, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you may have countless guides in Christ... You do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. Before you see to turn around somebody and say, it's just good to see you today. If you don't know them, find out their name. Examples. There's a lot of examples and a lot of great examples. And so really where I want to start is everybody in the house, those streaming as well, we've got to realize something about us. And that is, as Paul is writing to some members, doesn't talk about gender, does it? It just talks about members 
in a church in a city called Corinth. Why are we still talking about him? Because he was experiencing something that you and I also can experience. He called them his beloved children. You see, every one of us, God has given us the ability, the incredible capacity to love somebody else. And they don't have to be husband or wife or dad or mom or son or daughter or cousin, sibling. God has given us human beings the ability to love with a great love. He's writing to them. It's, again, writing from a single man, and he's writing to them. It may sound a little, you know, sugary, and yet you're realizing the kind of relationships that he's built with these people. Did he expect them to be perfect? Did he think they were perfect then? No. But he had adopted them in his heart, and he called them his dear children. Have you noticed that we do the same thing? I've been around a lot of bus drivers, and teachers and nurses you can go you know coaches you ever been around somebody and i'll take bus drivers for example since i know that world pretty well and you hear bus drivers talking about their route and they'll call them their kiddies or those are my kids or i just love them and know them everyone by name some of these drivers buy gifts because they're at a place where they can do that and every child on their bus route gets a gift from that driver. Because why? That driver's adopted them as their own kids. Teachers. Again, all these different roles that we serve in life, God has given us the ability to do that, to reach out and to adopt somebody in our heart. This is not a little thing. How many knows that in this world we live in today, we need to be doing this as much as any time, if not more, than we've ever known? You know, there's a lot of old songs that kind of roll in our head right now, isn't there? What the world needs now is. Yeah, you know it. Even though that song has a few years on it, we're still wanting to sing a song like that. To, to share with one another. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but many of us would admit I get closer to certain people that I've adopted in my heart than my own blood family. Don't raise your hands. The reason is, is because they're close. We have something in common. We went through a harrowing experience together. Maybe someone has looked up to you now because you were there at that time. And, and it's just sealed that relationship from now on. You'll always be close to them. They'll always be close to you. I, I want us to marinate in this for a moment. We've got we to gotta realize this thing that's ours, that we can fulfill every single day. He goes on and he talks about these instructors. He said, you may have countless counselors. Some of the versions say, if you had 10,000 guides, counselors. Again, there's all kind of voices out there today. There's, there's people who are influencers in our life. And they're always playing a part. We know from the African continent, they've taught us something that they've embraced and we've carried it around the globe today. How many has heard the expression, it takes a village to raise a child? 
What an incredible statement. That is a real statement. It takes all of us together. Some of us that's got a little more age on us than others can remember times where, man, it was just expected of a neighbor. If you see my kid doing wrong, deal with it. Can I hear an amen? amen. How many ever got a spanking from the neighbor's parent? <laughs> now, we hear some of the young ones hear that today and think, oh, my gosh, that's a lawsuit. Lawsuits weren't thought of back then. If that kid's misbehaving, Lynn, did those Davis kids ever get spankings? <laughs> did those Davis kids deserve spankings? <laughs> this thing, we gotta we gotta embrace it again if we've lost it. It takes a village. It takes Sunday school teachers. It takes children's church workers. It takes public school teachers. It takes nurses. It takes the bus drivers. It takes the principals. It takes, it takes and it takes the co-workers, the neighborhood, the t-ball leagues, little pro leagues. Right on, we need to embrace this again and realize the importance of it. Again, as a bus driver, a lot of times I'll have parents come up, listen, I don't expect my little Johnny to be perfect. If he does wrong, you deal with it, Mr. Randy. You got others, though. Oh, my little Johnny could never do wrong. How many has met those parents in life? <laughs> so we have to be cautious, and yet he throws this out to us. And there's a word that we're talking about here. It's called community. 23 years ago, I came to serve as the senior pastor of this congregation. I met with some men. I, at that time, I knew that there were some men that had been in the ministry or their dad had been a minister or whatever, and I was just trying to find a, a starting point, a gauge. I knew I had served this church years earlier in a different role. I was coming back. I wanted to know what they were feeling and witnessing. I said, this is your church. I've left once. I'll leave again one day, either in a pine box or appointment or whatever the case. I want to know what you'll fight for, believe in, and what are those things that maybe it's time to retire them? The first thing that I heard in that meeting was community. Today it's pretty tough. Our area just spins, doesn't it? How many has ever heard me say I pastor the church of the revolving door? The area is just constantly moving. We don't have the privilege of, well, yeah, we've, these, we're, these generations that live on this block, we've all known each other, watched each other. We've, we've got grandkids that, that we've adopted next door, and we've, we were there when so-and-so was born, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. We don't get too many of those stories. So again, this message is for all of us on a Father's Day to realize what's really being said here. So here's the point that I want to bring across. It's obvious as I evaluate myself in preaching, the content in which I preach. What is it that I value? What is it that I find myself keep going back to? I don't know about your opinion on my preaching, and maybe you feel like I need to do this subject more or that subject more, or maybe I need to be more demonstrative, whatever, all that's there. But the reality is that I look at myself, I realize I'm always dealing with relationships. Why? I'm always talking about the responsibility of a Christian, what the expectation is, what the responsibilities are. 
It's because I want you to live a fulfilled life. That's the bottom line. A life that is filled with nothing but self is an empty life. Can I hear an amen? And yet the culture's always screaming, take care of yourself. Keep yourself first. What's your opinion? Get what you need now if there's some extra. But that's, that's the opposite of what we're being trained in the Word of God. If I ask for a raise of hands, why don't you exercise that more? A lot of us would admit, I don't want to get hurt. I got burned. I, I had some, I, I've just had bad experiences. I, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And we find ourselves pulling back. Everybody gets cheated when that happens. I've got over 40 years under my belt now as a pastor. One form or another. More than that, if you go back to my teen years, <laughs> I served in the local church. But I will tell you, I've been by the bed in a home, in a nursing home, in a hospital, many a time of someone getting ready to leave this life. I tell you what you don't hear. If they're still able to communicate, <clears throat> they don't talk about, I wish I could live another year. The brand new Mustangs are coming out, and I think they're wonderful. <laughs> what I don't hear is, I wish I could work one more day because I'd get that bonus pay. What I don't hear are things like that that we communicate every single day. What I do hear in those moments is all about people. The good and the bad. The things I wish I'd fixed. The things I wish I'd done. Lauren Adams kept a plaque in the, in the reception area of the office for a long time. It simply says... Love God, love people, the end. I personally thought she was sending me a message to not preach as long. Now, it's quite a message, isn't it? Because in those end-of-life issues, that's what it's all about. Relationship with God, relationship with others, the end. And here we are with the opportunity of still looking like a lot of promised days ahead of us. What are we going to do with them? So again, we have to evaluate ourselves. So I want to get to the heart of it now. He said, you've got a lot of counselors, 10,000s of them, but not many fathers. What a message for Father's Day because you realize in this context what he's really saying. Paul didn't have his own biological children. He was adopting these congregations, which meant there were men and women in these congregations. He called them all his children. He had adopted them in his heart. And he said, I became your father in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking to all of us. So again, we're not taking away from Father's Day today biologically. Give honor where honor's due. It is the bigger picture, though, that Paul was really addressing that comes to every believer in every house of worship. To be that community, to be that collective people that raises the children as a village. The capacity to be a lighthouse 
a hospital, all the different metaphors and analogies that we use to describe us. These fathers, these special connections, the bonding that goes on. How long has it been since you've been around somebody that they pass everybody else up just to get to you, to hug you? It's a reunion. It's a meeting. They see you out in public. Like, <gasps> Why? Is it because you're so beautiful and dashingly gorgeous? Maybe. That was kind of a joke. It probably wasn't that. Because that's probably the last thing in our mind. It's all about you. We're bonded. You will always be special in my heart and in my eyes. There's not many fathers. You see, it takes time. You got to earn it. You got to be there. This is good preaching, by the way. John Maxwell puts it this way. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We miss that a lot of times. We think people are going to be wowed by our head knowledge. They're going to be wowed by our expertise. And maybe they will in the right place. But what they really want to know is, do you care for me? Do you love me? If they can feel the love, see the love, experience the love, then you have an opportunity. How many knows there's a culture out there that doesn't trust anybody anymore? Would you say amen to that? Because that's you. We don't give our trust out readily now. Just because you have a certain title, I'm a reverend, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm a judge. We go on and on through the list. That doesn't mean anything to us as much as I want to know you, dude. Are you a person of character? This is what Paul was really driving home to them. He says, I want you, I want you to understand something. <laughs> so I'm going to give an homage to Nancy Langdon here. Nanny, you've been preaching well over 60 years, 70 years, right? This is my mother-in-law, by the way. And Nanny used to preach a sermon kind of like this. You see that, Nanny? You know who I'm thinking of? She would preach on the Tater family. So I want to ask you today, what kind of Tater are you? Stand up, Nanny. I want them to see you if they don't know you. Can you remember all the taters you used to talk about? Yes, I do. <laughs> Dictator. Dictator. Imitator. Imitator. Spectator. And not only because I'm standing next to you, but agitator. I love you too. And Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Tater. I'll put old Tater here. Well, I want to I, I wanna do a, a new version of that that Paul picked up on. And even though she was using them as things to be, caution about to make sure you're not just a spectator in life and don't be a dictator in life, 
And don't be a mean agitator. We'll put mean in there. We'll put an agitator. But I do want to talk about imitators. Because I see there's a good imitator. And Paul saw that as well. As he shared here as well in this passage, again, what does he say to them? I became your father in Christ Jesus. You have all these different guides. I urge you then to be imitators of me. To be imitators. In other words, I'm putting myself out here. And I'm going to live in such a way that I want you to observe me, to watch me, to keep me accountable as I keep you accountable. The village thing again. The community thing again. In other words, I don't want to just live this closet life, this hidden life. I don't want to live two different lives. I want to live in such a way that's fulfilling that has purpose. And so I'm instructing you can, you, can you. can you put yourself here as well? That you're confident in your walk in life with character and in faith. That you say, hey, look at me. I want you to live like I do. Not in a way of conceit. Not in a way of, hey, you could all be as rich as me. Be as good looking as me. Be as smart as me. No. To have a heart for God. And a heart for people. To be somewhat of sound counsel. To be somebody who is consistently there. Paul says, I want you to imitate me in this. I urge you to imitate me in this. You see, it, it, it did stay before him, found also to the Ephesian church. He said, I want you to be dear imitators of God. Have you noticed the next picture is what we witness and think is special when a child is imitating a parent of trying to be just like dad or just like mom. You ever seen where the little girl comes up and she's got these size 10 shoes on when she's two years old? Why? Because she saw mom wear those shoes. Putting on dad's tie, dad's hat. Why? Imitating, emulating dad or mom. This is the message Paul was giving. Not just, to, well, okay, you can have all those counselors, but there's only a few of us biological fathers. That was not the message, was it? It's wonderful to be a biological father. But more importantly, to the house. To be imitators. In other words, to witness somebody. Yes, I, I love that person. I respect that person. I want to be just like them. I want to be a person of wisdom. I want to be a person of genuine love. I want to be that person who doesn't have high highs and low lows. They just keep on doing it right. I want to be that person that others feel comfortable in calling upon. I want to be that person. Have you ever been there when you're watching somebody pull someone out, usually older, to the side and sits down and starts sharing with them. Does it ever just speak to you? I, I hope people see me like they see that lady, like that man. I want people to have a confidence in my words. 
And yet this whole thing of imitating as little children God to do the right things, the God things in our life. Paul put it this way. The things that you've learned from me, that you've heard from me, that you've seen in me, do them. Would you stand with me today?